Welcome to Global Leader Radio, sponsored by the Executive MBA program at Kennesaw State University, discussing ideas that matter with people who care. Now here's your host, Director of Business Development and Instructor of Management for the Executive MBA program at Kennesaw State University, Alvin Miles. Well, happy Monday and welcome to another information-packed edition of Global Leader Radio. Today, I'm excited to introduce two people with high regard for both leadership and master's degrees. Both have a master's degree personally, and one of them teaches in the KSU Executive MBA program, and the other is a graduate of it. Uh, in, uh, in addition, she's also an ambassador for higher education, entrepreneurship, and professional career development. Both of these folks are tailor-made for today's discussion. So I'll introduce to you first Don Lang. Uh, Don, how are you today? I'm great, Alvin. Thank you very much Fan- for asking. Fantastic. And uh, the second is Miss Charmaine Ward. So, Charmaine, how are you? I am doing great. Thank you. Well, great. So tell me a little bit about Charmaine. Well, um, first of all, I am Director of Community Affairs with Georgia Pacific. And in my spare time, <laughs> amongst all the other things that I do, I am also president of the National Black MBA's Atlanta chapter, which is the largest chapter in the country. And I also have my own consulting and speaking firm, CW Consulting Group. Fantastic. Well, you know, when I looked at your resume, I saw quite a bit more than just that. <laughs> so you may be sandbagging on us. <laughs> it also looks like you're an active member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, perhaps? Absolutely. Okay. And I have been a member since 1980, and I serve on a number of um, community and civic boards like Atlanta Business League, which is an entrepreneur-focused um, organization, the Urban League of Atlanta, um, True Colors Theater, the National Black Arts Festival, and the National Black Arts Festival, and PAGE, which is Professional Association for Georgia Educators, an organization really focused on our Georgia teachers. So great. You definitely wear a lot of different hats. I so do. I, I heard Georgia Pacific, the National Black MBAs, CW Consulting Group. So would you mind sharing a little bit about each one of your roles? Absolutely. Um, with Georgia Pacific, as Director of Community Affairs, I really serve, um, my primary role is our charitable contributions and our over 200 manufacturing facilities across the country. So I work for the foundation, the George Pacific Foundation, and I look to see where there are um, partnerships that we can develop with civic and community organizations to really invest in those communities where we have manufacturing facilities. Um, we focus all of our giving on what we call the four E's, um, entrepreneurship, education, environment, and enrichment of our communities. And so I work with those organizations and our manufacturing facilities as well as I also work here in Atlanta with a number of our civic and community organizations here to make sure that we're also contributing and investing. And at the end of the day, we want to create value in all of the communities where we have facilities. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's one. How about the National Black MBA? For National Black MBA, this is my fourth year as president of the National Black MBA Atlanta chapter. We have over 1,400 financial members. We're the largest chapter in the country, as I said, with the next largest chapter being half of our size. We're very, very proud of all the success that we've had over the last four years Well, while I've been president and with the leadership team that I have in place, which is amazing. Um, We have programs every month. We have networking events every quarter. The real focus of National Black MBA is to promote higher education. We want to get more African Americans looking to seek and attain 
MBAs, as well as advanced master's degrees. The second thing is really about focusing on professional and career development. How can we help individuals either get into a particular industry or move over or um, to a different area, make a lateral change, or get promoted, you know, and kind of crack some of those, not necessarily glass ceilings, but even some of the other unknown ceilings that aren't there or that appear not to be there. So we do a lot in professional career development. And then the last thing is scholarships. We have a lot of programs that focus on providing scholarships, not just for our high school students, which is our Leaders of Tomorrow or LOT program, but also for undergraduate, graduate, and Ph.D. Okay. So there aren't a lot of scholarships available for MBA, master's, and Ph.D. programs. So that's one of the areas that we're really proud. We give out over 25,000 scholarships every year from our chapter alone. Impressive. The last piece is entrepreneurship. What we found is although our students, many of our members rather, which do include students, have MBAs and master degrees, they also are entrepreneurs like myself. Some of them have day jobs, but they have their own companies. We found 30% of our members are entrepreneurs in some way. Mm. And so we also have programs that focus on entrepreneurship, either starting your own business or growing your business, or how do you do balancing like I do and a lot of other people do, between the personal entrepreneur endeavors and your corporate daytime um, objectives. Okay, so that's two of three. So now we get to the third, which is CW Consulting, perhaps. And this is really my passion and my love. I've been doing this for a long time. I do both consulting for small businesses because one of my focus areas personally is entrepreneurship. And so I work with small businesses, their owners, and their CEOs to help them take their businesses to another level. I do training specifically in marketing for entrepreneurs as well as for nonprofit organizations. And then the other thing that I do is I'm a motivational and professional speaker focused on professional career development, and I do that across the country. Um, I do a lot of things for colleges and universities, but as well as just civic and um, community groups that want to bring me in. Fantastic. So you've covered the gamut. Um, you've covered the corporate side, you covered the entrepreneurial side, and you covered a not-for-profit side, and you're still one woman, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tell people sleep is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly, I went on your website and noticed that, uh, and I understand that one of your favorite sayings is, if you want to know where I stand, watch my feet. Yes. So why is that one of your favorite sayings? That is one of my favorite sayings because I believe you have to lead by examples. And as we talk more about leadership, some of my favorite leaders, that's why they're my favorite leaders. You have to walk the talk. And so that is really, when, my, when I first took on um, being president of National Black MBA, that was really my mantra for that year mm. was don't. Don't just listen to me. Watch what I do. If I say we're going to, you know, generate $50,000, I'm going to be out in front asking corporate partners. If I say we're going to get another, you know, 500 members, I'm going to be in the front trying to get those members with you. I'm going to roll my sleeves up, and I'm a working leader. And so I want you to see that I'm not asking you to do what I can't do. And so I think that's really important um, in terms of leadership. Interesting. So your second, actually your fourth stint as president, right? My fourth year. Fourth year. So second stint overall. Yes. Uh, so what have you been able to accomplish thus far? And what do you feel is left to do for the organization and perhaps even you personally? Wow. And if, if you could see me, you would see this big smile <laughs> on my face because we have just accomplished so much as a leadership team. And I say we because... No executive, president, CEO, leader can do it by themselves. That's the first, I think, 
thing you have to understand as a leader is you have to have a great team. In this case, I have a great board of directors. But we have literally in four years, we have doubled the size of our organization. It was about 700 members. And like I said, we're now at 1,400. We've gone from about right under $50,000 in revenue to almost a quarter of a million dollars in revenue. Um, We've gone from probably programs that were we had one probably every couple months. They were pretty good. Two programs that are every month. They are relevant with notable national um, panelists, notable national um, speakers, standing room only. We just had a panel. It was over 250 people at that panel. Mm. Um, having speakers like um, the CEO of Chick-fil-A or we just confirmed um, the CEO of Rainforest Films is going to be one of our keynotes. Um, you know, um, having things like that really lets you stand apart from all of the other organizations. I think the final thing success we've had has been collaborations. Um, I, one of the platforms that I had was we are going to reach out to other organizations and have a bigger impact on both our members and the community. So we have partnered with the Atlanta Business League, with the Coalition for 100 Black Women, Coalition for 100 Black Men, the Black Journalists, the Black Engineers, um, the Hispanic MBA organization. So we really have reached out across various segments and tried to bring organizations together. And that has proved to be very successful and a win-win for all the organizations. Very impressive. Very impressive. So if you were looking to find your successor in your role as a president of the Black MBAs tomorrow, what three attributes would you say are critical for success? And I am looking right now (laughs) (laughs) because my term ends in December. (laughs) And there are many people that think they want to change the bylaws. (laughs) And I am saying no. So it's interesting because we really, we just had a retreat about a month ago. And we spent quite a bit of time on this. We brought in um, a, a, a we brought in a um, someone to actually facilitate okay. and help us go through this process. And the three things that we really came away with was um, execution. I think the vision has been set. We know where we're going. We know we want to do. It's really about taking this to another level. And how do you do that? By continuing to execute flawlessly. I think the second thing is is really going to be collaborations. Taking the collaborations that we've started and really forming partnerships. So not just having an event and having two organizations coming together, but actually partnering from the beginning to say, what do we want to do to make an impact, whether it's advocacy or whether it's education or entrepreneurship, but it's partnerships, taking collaboration to another level. And then I think the third thing, which is at the the root of all organizations, is continuing to build those partnerships with corporations to get additional revenue. Programs are great, but you have to fund them. Uh, Members come because we have great programs. Members come because we have access to notable speakers. Well, the only way you can do those things is to have the funding to be able to do it. So I think continuing to develop those partnerships that we have with corporations so that they understand why we're relevant, why we add value, and why it makes sense to invest in us and what that return is for them. Yeah, Charmaine, that that is very good. I I really appreciate you for uh, uh, really telling us about what three steps uh, the the program itself uh, needs to take to move forward. But 
I really want to understand what is it about the president, the person who actually pushes this, leads the agenda, and kind of helps with everything else, does everything from sweeping the floors to leading the vision. What do those three attributes look like? I think, one, it is it's, it's having a vision. Gotta have you a have vision. to have a vision. Okay. You have to know where you're going. No one's going to follow you if you don't know where you're going. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> number two, you have to be a good communicator. Okay. So having a great vision but you can't explain it to anyone is worthless. So you have to be able to communicate, and not just to your board, but that, again, talks to being able to communicate to your partners, to your members. So it's communication. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third thing is and I mean, I call it execution, but it's that demonstrating, okay. you know, it's demonstrating how you're going to do it okay. and it's actually doing it. So if I want to raise money, then let, let me take a couple of my people with me to that first meeting and show you this is how we interact with a corporate partner. This is how this meeting should go. So then they're like, oh, that wasn't so hard. It wasn't so scary. I can go do that on my own. Or this is how if you want to meet, um, you know, Mayor Reed. So mm-hmm. let's put ourselves in some positions to go meet him. And then this is what we say when we meet him. So this is how we connect and follow up so that we can build that relationship so that then when we need him to speak, there's a relationship there. So I think it's, it's again, leading by example. I think that's the third thing for me. Well, thank you. So in your mind, has a master's degree helped you to solidify your leadership? Absolutely. I think what the master's degree does, and I'm really going to take it beyond that. I think education, period, it shows you how to think broader. It exposes you to things you never would have known. It gives you the ability to communicate with others about subjects that you wouldn't have known about. And so it's not about knowing algebra or calculus or finance. It's about taking those very specific topics and using them in a way that is relevant in a conversation or applying them to a project at work. But it's not that specific thing itself. I mean, unless, of course, you're an engineer and and you, you have to know engineering or architect. But I'm talking the more basic Um, process of education. But I think it just took what I already knew and my leadership abilities to a whole nother level, and especially the executive MBA program. I think being in a room with other high-level managers, leaders, and executives, and the way that the program at Kennesaw is done, where you're interacting with each other, and my favorite part was interacting with multiple professors. So not just I'm taking accounting with the accounting professor, but we had the economics professor and the marketing professor, and then there was engagement between them and engagement between these 30 or 40 leaders that came from different industries and it just made for such an amazing and robust learning environment I'm I'm just smiling thinking about it I really enjoyed it so much and and so I think it really helped me just to take um, my leadership and my ability to communicate with others to a whole nother level so it really did facilitate quite a rich conversation absolutely so which year did you graduate from that program in 2001 2001 and you and i do know that this is uh, all team based so what was your team's name did you have team names back then 
You remember? I don't remember. Oh, I remember our case study. I remember our case study. It was, was Disney. I will oh, never Disney. forget that. It was Disney. <laughs> but I don't know that we had a team name. Uh, you know, the program has gotten uh, more and more, uh, shall we say, it has improved over the years. So at some point, we did pick up team names. And uh, when I graduated in 05, it was a le- I was a lean, mean, green machine. Me and my team of five. Okay. And so each team picks their own team names, which also adds to the camaraderie. And we always joke in the program that uh, once you have that team name, you'll have it for life. Oh, wow. No, I don't think we did that. Uh, But that's okay because that's a perfect segue going from a conversation about students in the master's degree program to a conversation about faculty at the master's degree program. So to my left and uh, the uh, radio folks to your right will be Don Lang. So, Don, tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Well, Alvin, as you know, I'm a faculty member in the executive MBA program at Kennesaw. This is my sixth year, uh, responsible for all of the topics related to human capital, managing human capital, which we see as uh, critical to essential leadership in an organization, and recently picked up responsibility for the teaming and coaching components of the program. And... um, Outside of that program, I own a business called Talent Effects. Uh, Talent Effects, uh, in a short version, is an organization that helps leaders improve how they select and develop ca- talent for key posts and roles in their organizations. So that involves anything from talent assessment, leadership development, executive coaching, and customized learning programs. So it sounds as though what you're doing at Talent Effects is really magnified uh, when you bring it over to the Executive MBA program. Oh, or absolutely. It, or is it vice versa? I'm not uh, sure. Well, I, chicken it, or the egg, right? It, 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 uh, it started out, certainly, Talent Effects fed um, Kennesaw okay. uh, program. And, and, in fact, that was what uh, the opportunity was at the start of my teaching there. I was invited to help put together a human capital uh, unit in the program because uh, this – As we talked about, in fact, as you mentioned, there's continuous improvement, uh, continuous adjustment to the curriculum, and how do we keep it relevant? And one of the areas that people saw an opportunity to make more relevant was how do leaders uh, attract, select, uh, onboard, develop, retain uh, key talent for their organizations. And so uh, I was involved in the initial development, design and development of that, and most of that content came from uh, work experience that I've had, client engagements, uh, case studies, and so forth. And I continue to use that within the program. So the cases that the students are involved in are typically ones that I'm working on through Talent Effects. Ah, okay. Well, how did you choose the name Talent Effects? Well, when I was uh, forming the business in 2002 and was looking to come up with a name, uh, talent was certainly something that was um, sort of the lingo or the jargon, if you will, (laughs) at the time, talent management. Uh, War for Talent uh, had uh, come out a few years prior to that, the the, uh, McKinsey Report and and, uh, book. And so uh, what I wanted to convey uh, as part of the name was uh, that talent can have an effect on the organization, can have an effect on the performance, the future, the strategy of an organization. And my objective with talent effects is always to design relevant and practical solutions so that they are 
immediately implementable and uh, sustainable in terms of having a long-run impact for the business. So applicability, so, huh? Exactly. And, and, and so, so that's the, uh, the reason for the combination of those two words. Oh, fantastic. So when you compare and contrast, just kind of think through your two roles, working in the organization, of course, that you founded and birthed, and also working in the executive MBA program, do you draw contrast, parallels? Uh, what do you see as some of the differences between the two, perhaps? Because you're the same guy. Mm-hmm. You're the same person who's bringing in those, um, those learnings from both sides, both right. sectors. So talk a little bit about that, if you can. Well, uh, certainly they uh, integrate very well. There's a lot, a lot of alignment between the two. Uh, as I mentioned, I am uh, involved in executive coaching. That's mm-hmm. part of the, the program. Uh, a few years back, I participated in a, a certificate program in executive coaching at Columbia University, which was um, a year-long program uh, to develop uh, skills in coaching and Although I had been an executive coach and had worked in the area before, uh, I wanted to take my uh, coaching skills and uh, uh, practical theory because it, as an academic program, it, it provided a sound academic foundation, and yes. that was something I was looking for as well. And so um, it was a phenomenal program. Uh, I was... Uh, uh, certainly challenged in, in um, um, keeping that program going, uh, the learning. That was a weekly session that we had, um, as well as uh, re- in, um, in New York residencies right. along the way. But at the same time, so it, um, it in, enhanced my uh, executive coaching skills okay. for my business, and I think it, it, at the same time it enabled me to contribute more to the program more discipline to the program, more academic rigor uh, for the benefit of the students in the program. Very good. So with regard to talent effects, what are some of the things you're doing to help organizations to develop leaders? Are you developing programs within there, uh, w- within the organization yes. and your, your practice? Uh, a number of things, Alvin. One thing is, for example, leadership development. So recently have been involved with a high-tech a company um, in the metro Atlanta area where we designed a custom leadership development uh, program for them that uh, aligned three critical components, uh, we believe. One was uh, classroom learning, which was an opportunity to bring together people from different areas of the business that in many cases did not have regular interaction with. Okay. Um, so they were leaders, but uh, might simply be meeting occasionally uh, to solve a business issue or problem, uh, convene on a on an occasional uh, conference meeting, those kinds of things, but not deeply involved in working together um, on a on a complex and challenging problem. Mm. Secondly, we wanted to provide coaching to them, uh, and the coaching initially started with a, a 360, so it was an opportunity to, for them to get some uh, feedback in terms of how others saw them related to a set of leadership requirements that the organization embraces. And then third, to engage them in a project that is uh, really a company initiative. Okay. So we wanted to, again, make it relevant and practical. So we formed teams engaged the teams to drive uh, an initiative that was on the board 
gave people an opportunity to work together to use the tools that they received in the classroom setting okay. around execution, around innovation, around problem solving, around uh, uh, inquiry, around managing conflict, around teaming. And um, so through co individual coaching, through working in a team to drive a business solution by embracing the tools, uh, it provided a holistic program that delivered some practical results for the business and uh, helped take uh, the performance of each of the individual uh, uh, participants in the program to the next level. Excellent. So it sounds as though you worked e from the tactical side all the way up to the strategic side, and you kind of moved back and forth between those two on exactly. the continuum. But when I look at st strategy, what strategic issues, in your mind, has management attention today? Well, there are several. Uh, as you might have, uh, as you might assume, over the last several years, cost cutting has been a, a, a particular focus of uh, organizations, and so that. Um, they call, it, they call it right-sizing, right? Right-sizing, yes. <laughs> so that was a skill that, that people were looking at. How can, how can people squeeze out cost out of their organization? Today, and, and in the past year, there's been a number of studies that have come out that what organizations or senior leaders are looking for in their leadership and cite as a, 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 a particularly crucial skill set is around uh, growing uh, profitability, growing revenue, and um, the ability to innovate. So I'm more proactive in terms of growth and opportunity and doing that not only um, uh, on, a, on a more local basis, but being able to expand uh, product and organization on a global basis. Yeah. So that that's, has become the, the shift, if you will, from, um, say, the 2007-2009 there's definitely been a shift toward uh, these uh, these new areas. Okay, interesting. So with all the restructuring and the layoffs in the recent years, are there areas where organizations expect to see talent shortages? Yes, there are uh, a number that are, are certainly related to the very same areas that I just, just referenced. Okay. So, for example, R&D. Um, many organizations are, are finding that uh, – as a result of underinvestment, perhaps in that area and perhaps in the leaders of uh, R&D functions, um, that they're anticipating um, uh, a skill shortage in that regard. First of all, if we look at the United States and uh, in, in particular, there's been a, uh, a decline in the number of um, graduate students pursuing uh, science, engineering, mathematic, uh, mathematics degrees, uh, and uh, as a result, uh, all of those obviously being feeder um, programs to the R&D kinds of functions. And so when we look at uh, those technical um, degrees and the absence of uh, or shortage, if you will, of, of people graduating and, and uh, going to work in, in organizations in those kinds of roles, as the boomers retire, there's uh, less of a pipeline, first mm -hmm. of all, of talent coming into those areas, and they're also seeing that the um, the absence of um, resources to develop talent in that in that area has um, is going to result in some talent shortages down the road. And secondly, uh, revenue uh, growth, and so 
Um, do we have uh, enough talent uh, that's capable of growing the top line? And so this, is, uh, this would be marketing, sales uh, professionals, and in particular industry uh, categories, if you will, that, um, uh, again, while there might be lots of people selling or doing marketing work, uh, perhaps not as much um, energy or resources have been spent on developing leaders in those categories. And then the third is global leadership. Global leadership. And, um, and, and what I would say in that regard is, uh, as, as I again mentioned, that uh, global expansion is a, is a critical area. And so uh, many organizations are seeing that as an opportunity to, to um, achieve some growth and sustain some um, organization uh, viability. Uh, and uh, their business, whether they want to be global or not, is going to be global. <laughs> and they recognize that. And perhaps they've not done as much to develop uh, a global mindset, global talent skill uh, set, and so they are working uh, diligently now, in many cases, to, to develop more global leaders. So those are, I would say, three areas where there are potential gaps uh, here near term. Well, great. We appreciate that. We're speaking with Don Lang, the principal of Talent Effects and lecturer on human capital management for the executive MBA program at Coles College of Business. Additionally, we're talking with Charmaine Ward. Uh, Charmaine, uh, in her day job, is the director of community affairs for Georgia Pacific, and her responsibilities include corporate philanthropy and community affairs. And um, in her one of her other passions, she is the president of the National Black MBAs in Atlanta with the Atlanta chapter. So, uh, Charmaine, I do have to make one apology to you that, um, you know, here in this studio, um, Don Lang and I both have a face for radio, and you have to put up with that for today. So, <laughs> <laughs> with that in mind, apology let me, accepted. <laughs> let me let me let me ask you a yeah, question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, d- define for us your personal concept of leadership. What what is most important to you when you think of leaders? Wow, and I, I hate to sound like I, I keep repeating myself, but I think it's good because that means I'm consistent. That's right. Um, I really believe that when I think about leaders. I think about visionaries. I think about people that can paint a picture and can communicate it because that is what is going to get other individuals to want to do whatever that thing is or go wherever that place is. And so I really think it's about vision and about communications. Okay. Don, what do you think about that? Well, I I think there are several things. I would certainly uh, agree that uh, vision and communication are important skills. I would add uh, self-awareness. I think one of the things that is essential to a leader is uh, insight into their own um, strengths and development areas. I think those leaders that have uh, a good uh, sense of their capabilities and their opportunity areas, I think, have a have a better appreciation of how to develop other leaders and how to uh, support and engage them. I would also add learning agility. I think in today's environment, uh, whatever we knew yesterday is dated certainly by tomorrow. And those leaders who embrace learning and are learning agile, that they continue to learn, that they continue to embrace uh, learning, uh, is, is, is an essential uh, quality. And I think perspective. I think uh, the ability to uh, embrace a broader, a global perspective, if you will, where 
the leader is not uh, confined to a, a particular view or perspective of the world, of people, of, of strategies, whatever, but can uh, open up their aperture, if you will, in terms of how they view things and consider multiple perspectives, diverse perspectives, mm -hmm. so that they're um, fully engaged in the world and, and um, fully understanding and appreciative of, of different viewpoints and, and, and different perspectives. Right. So I and, know it. Uh, and I was going to say, I want to add mm -hmm. two more because one of the things that Don talked about was human capital. And I think the, the two things that I've really had to learn in my role as president of National Black MBA was being able to find, I would say, identify and bring aboard good leaders and leaders that may still need to be developed, young leaders, diverse leaders, mm -hmm. um, and surround yourself with a group that doesn't look like you, that doesn't think like you. And when I say look like you, doesn't have to, I mean, even if you're all the same race, but you're younger, you're older, you're from the West, from the East, from the, it's all totally different perspectives. So I think surrounding yourself, being able to identify those leaders and bring them in, which again is part of the vision because right. people have to buy into why do I want to work for you or That's why right. do I want to volunteer for you. Yes. The second thing I really had to work on was active listening. Mm. So when you bring that great group of young leaders in and leaders that need to be developed and people with different perspectives, you have to be quiet and you have to listen to them. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all for naught. So um, I think those are the two things I would add that mm -hmm. you just kind good. of inspired me, Don. Absolutely. They're good. Well, you know, Don has a history of inspiring people. I've been around for the last few years. Yeah, he tends to do that quite well, a bit. It's still Alvin. working. <laughs> well, when, uh, when, when you talked about how to actually take people from, and you didn't say this exactly, you didn't say taking them from A to EMBA. That's what we say in the program. Uh, we're trying to help people get where they need to go. Certainly there's an element of having to help people, and it's relationships that involve helping. And uh, in the program, we do talk about at least two of those relationships, and a couple of those we tell people to stay away from, as in therapy. That's one of them. Okay. Counseling is another. You want to stay away from those. That's not something we want you doing. Uh, but we do want you coaching, and we do want you mentoring. So to, would, would both of you kind of speak a little bit about how to help these leaders get to where they need to be, certainly vis-a-vis -vis what you just said, Charmaine, by either coaching and or mentoring, because they are distinctly different. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to take it first? Sure. Coaching expert. Be, be happy to. Well, Alvin, as you know, we spend quite a bit of time in the program. We value um, coaching uh, as a, a key attribute, a key skill set, if you will, of leaders. And so the executive MBA program at Kennesaw embraces uh, that um, both by providing coaches to the students as well as to their teams, but also provides each of the students with a skill set around coaching. And we take uh, deliberate care to differentiate that from mentoring. Many, many leaders, many managers uh, come into the program with a with an idea about mentoring. They're perhaps they've had a mentor before. Perhaps there are a number of people in the company that are doing that. Perhaps they're doing that in their organizations or um, outside um, in the community. And um, we we look at mentoring as uh, a, a valuable skill, um, but we also know that it's not appropriate at all times. That. It should be something in your toolkit. Mm -hmm. uh, it is um, for the benefit of the individual, the mentee, if you will. But it is directive. It is 
sort of indicating to the mentee, if you will, what uh, what direction they should go. And that's simply based off of their own set of experiences and knowledge and familiarity and their own opinion, if you will. Whereas in coaching, it is up to the individual. It is to the coachee. And the purpose of the coach is to help facilitate the, the coachee's goals. or the goals themselves. And we give uh, students a skill set around how to do that because, it, as Charmaine talked about, it, it involves listening, it involves inquiry, the ability to ask questions, mm-hmm. it involves uh, facilitation, uh, being able to uh, help the person move through a process, often by challenging them, uh, often by testing reality with them, often by asking them for their commitment and, and challenging them on, on that of uh, requiring, if you will, that they get uh, additional feedback uh, sometimes on their progress and and reformulate a goal that might be too too unclear, perhaps too broad, too vague. So it it is an opportunity as a leader to develop uh, managerial coaching skills, and that's certainly something that, that we value in the program. Now, one of the things you mentioned before we step over to Charmaine is that sometimes coaches have to test reality with coaches. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that there are people in this world who really don't understand the reality of their situation sometimes? Oh, absolutely. Well, I think it's more uh, when you're in the situation, when you uh, take on a, an ambitious goal. It's it's not unlike what anyone might in, uh, encounter when they – set a goal at the, on New Year's Day to lose 50 pounds by the, the um, beginning of spring, for example. Understood. And they say, I'm going to lose five pounds a week or seven pounds a week. And, and the reality is with the, with the lifestyle that they have, perhaps they're not going to be able to do that. And the coach is going to challenge them on that just like they would if it was – uh, I'm going to work out seven days a week for two hours a day, and they haven't they haven't been to a gym in five years. And so, don't have a membership, and they don't have a membership. <laughs> and so, um, parallel to those kind of personal situations, where the the coach's job is to really challenge that, not not so much to defeat the the ambition or the the objective of the individual, but to make certain that the individual can help. It can be on a path to to achieve that goal. So mm-hmm. helping reality check what's achievable, what, uh, what's challenging, but what's achievable so that there is progress rather than uh, throwing one throwing up their hands in defeat and, and not making any forward movement. So the A and the R and SMART. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so Charmaine? Well, I think, and that's why I let Don go first on this one. I think he really summed it up. I mean, I I really have the same thing. Mentors, they pretty much tell you what they think you should do. They share their own personal experiences, whereas coaches really help to guide. They keep asking you questions. They keep digging so that you get to the answer yourself. And so I think that's the biggest difference. And that's something I've been really working on and even as a leader, I just finished reading a book on coaching so, so I could better understand when I'm mentoring someone and when I'm coaching someone because the lines can blur mm-hmm. and you don't even know it as a mentor or a coach. And then the other thing I just like to always bring up is people can have a mentor, they can have a coach, and they can have an advocate. Mm-hmm. And that's that person that 
that you don't even know necessarily that speaks up mm-hmm. for you when you're not in the room. You may or may not may or may not know them personally, but they know of you. It gets kind of when you talk about brand and and they know what they've seen you in action or they've heard about you, and so they're the one that's speaking up you know, when something comes up. But I think you need all of those different individuals. They all play a very different role in your career. And so I think it's important to have all, but to know who is which. Because you don't need to go to your coach and share all of your personal relationship. I broke up with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. But then that may be something that you could share with your mentor because there's a different sort of relationship there. And so you need to know who in your life or what I kind of call your board of directors is playing which roles. Okay. So is it okay to have more than one mentor, more than one coach perhaps? Absolutely. I mean, I I think you should figure out what it is that you need. So for me, I try to have an internal mentor and or coach as well, internal being to my company company. as well as an external. I also have mentors as it relates to National Black MBA and me being the president. That's a totally different um, way that you have to leave when you're dealing with a volunteer organization and a volunteer board, totally different than people that actually work for you and employed by the same company and get a check. So different leadership skills required too. Okay. Yeah. okay. So I, I think it's great if you can have multiple, but I don't think you should feel like if you don't have one, that you can't be successful okay. and you don't have to have a formal relationship. I have people all the time, they say, well, who's your mentor? I have several, and it depends. But what I, what's important to me is that when I get in that situation where I need to bounce something off someone, that I have someone that I can call that I know is can, can really provide some good advice to me in that particular space. And so I offer to be virtual mentors to people. Hmm. When you need me, email me. When you need me, call me. Mm -hmm. But the traditional way I think that people think we're going to have lunch every month, the first Monday at 12 o'clock, that is very difficult to do with a lot of people given Mm -hmm. their schedules and calendars. And the other thing that I want to say is the mentor doesn't have to be an executive. It doesn't have to be the vice president. I have what I call coach mentors. They're at the same level as me and my company, but maybe they're in a different area. And we just talk about, you know, my interaction with my peers or my brand in the company. And so I think it's also good to have um, peer mentors is what I call them. Okay. Well, we're going to step to brand in a second. But, Donna, I want to give you a moment to to react to and, and respond to that question around, is it okay to have more than one coach, one mentor? Well, I think, in, uh, as Charmaine, you were just talking about, there are different circumstances mm-hmm. that uh, apply to individuals. So I think it dep- the answer I would offer is it depends. I think uh, in the case of mentors, uh, if you're involved in multiple roles, as, as you are, Charmaine, it, it, it's certainly helpful to for a, a professional association or a collegiate organization. There's, there's certainly people that have been there and done that and can offer uh, direct advice um, and suggestions as to how you might uh, perform as a leader. Same thing, and it might be very different in your business setting, and I think that's very appropriate. Typically, on from a coaching standpoint, I think it, it depends on what the individual's looking for. Okay. Um, my advice usually to people is that they not take on too many objectives in terms of what they want to accomplish through coaching. 
And uh, so, so oftentimes that implies that there's one coach. Um, so if I'm working on one to two things uh, at the same time with a coach, that coach is fully aware of all the other coaching, if you will, uh, that might be going on and, and the fact that I have two goals. And so uh, is in a better position that way to um, help facilitate the, the progress along the way. If I divided that up amongst um, several coaches, um, each of them may not be aware of what the other, of, of what that individual is working on. And sometimes that might pose a, a problem. So uh, hmm. I, I think the, the bottom line is it depends on the individual and their capacity to, to multitask with multiple member, uh, multiple, uh, multiple mentors and, and multiple coaches. But personally, I advocate more for, uh, a single coach at a time, if you will. A single coach at a time. Okay. And so I, I would imagine that you wouldn't be opposed, of course, to having an individual pay for a coach or pay for coaching because therein there will be results that have been delineated and people can help you to sharpen those goals mm-hmm. and then help you to get directly to them. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think uh, certainly from a, a paid coaching standpoint, um, you have some skin in the game. Yes. You're a little more committed to <laughs> to following through on that process if if you know you've paid up front for it or you're paying as you as you go in that process. Whereas if it's free, it's a lot easier to uh, stand back and say, well, I, I don't need to keep working on that. I don't have any investment in this um, <coughs> area. Same thing with, uh, with an executive MBA program. I, if I've invested in that, I'm going to pursue that and and seek to get the most out of it I can. Yeah, great point. And I was just going to say, and and just for clarification, I I agree with Don. Multiple mentors are fine, but if you're going to have a coach, and I do think you probably, you know, really good coaches are going to be ones that you probably engage and pay for, then I think that's an investment in yourself, and that's an investment in in, in personal development, professional development, and therefore, you you know, you should just have one. But I think it's a great investment in yourself, and, and it's definitely worth paying for. Well, that's, that's fantastic, and that's important information because people listening to this particular um, telecast, podcast, et cetera, will assume that you don't have to pay for it and you can get the same results. Well, then if you're not paying for coaching or mentoring, uh, which you typically don't pay for mentoring. Right. But if you're not paying for coaching, then the onus is on the individual being coached to determine what the strategy will be and how it will make it work. Mm-hmm. When you have someone there and you can pass it along, and, of course, you're involved in it, but certainly, to your point, uh, Don, there is a lot more skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the million-dollar question, are leaders made, are leaders developed, are leaders born? Are they born or developed? Which one would like to take that? I think there's a foundation that an individual begins with in terms of um, certain personal traits and characteristics, but I think much more beyond that is uh, development. So okay. I think that there is a great opportunity for growth and, and development, and so I would say uh, while there, there might be an early foundation for uh, learning ability and, and some motivation, I think largely it's driven by how that individual develops over time. Okay. Charmaine, what are your thoughts? 
I think that it's, I, I agree with Don, but I think it's both. I mean, I think there are those, um, if you were to go to an elementary school, there are those children that are just natural leaders. I mean, they're the ones that everybody's following to, you know, go have lunch. They're the ones that says, no, we're going to play this game. And everybody kind of gravitates toward the, towards them. And you kind of see that progress. Um, one of the reasons I love reading biographies is because often we see people after they've arrived. But when you read their biographies, you'll see that many politicians have been in politics since they were in middle school, in elementary school. And so it was not by happenstance that they got to be whatever political leader that they are. But I think there are others that um, maybe that, that foundation is there. And as they are in, put in the right environment, it could be Boy Scouts. It could be going to get an MBA in the executive program. It could be a job experience that propels them into a leadership role. And with the right coach, with the right um, education, they actually develop into really great leaders. So I think it's both. And that development, that greatness is where the confidence really pops out, right? Because sometimes these people can have, as, you, as you're speaking, the innate trait, but really don't recognize it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they have to look back, and then, of course, when they're in executive MBA format, when you have all the other leaders that are there, mm -hmm. they're saying, hey, wait a minute, let's see what Charmaine has to say about this. Because I'm, I'm certain it's not by accident that, that you're actually serving in your second stint as president. I mean, uh, it, it's either one of two ways, right? It, I was told that you're standing on the front line, and somebody says, step forward if you want to be a leader. So either you step forward or everyone else stepped back and you stood in the same spot. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. I thought you were going to say somebody pushed you. <laughs> Sometimes that happens too. Oh, too funny. So um, when we think about the, uh, the conversation we've had thus far, we've talked about a couple of things. We've talked about, Charmaine, the fact that you really focus on results. Uh, because in the final analysis, a leader is one who produces results, right? Yeah. So this person is someone who actually has enough influence that people would, would be willing to follow him or her. But then to repeatedly do that, they've got to produce something. So it's a vision they have, and then it's a vision they're mobilizing people towards, and there's the results that are being brought in. And, and Don, what you pointed out was a lot of the fact that uh, what's happening in business today is being reflected in executive MBA programs, especially the one that you're working in, because I'm certain you've, uh, you've talked to people in more than just one executive MBA program. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly what you've seen is that um, the people need to make sure that they have in their toolkit the things necessary to be able to actualize leadership, correct? Absolutely. Okay. So with that in mind, let's, let's take a look at the next step. What happens when you, uh, you walk into perhaps a master's program and you think you've got the tools to move forward. You recognize that you haven't moved forward in your own career and you realize that, you know, it, it certainly is me because I need to understand from a self-actualization perspective who I am, where I am. But then there's also perhaps I need to get feedback from other people. So that means I'm networking. How important is networking to take your leadership to the next level? Don, would you care to go first? Certainly. I, I, well, it's absolutely critical in terms of uh, career advancement and career development. It's the opportunity to uh, meet other people, to meet uh, other people with different perspectives in different industries uh, that uh, helps grow your relationships. And relationships are what often uh, determine who's selected for uh, key roles, who has opportunities to move across businesses into um, different opportunities, um, to get different advice. 
um, to um, really to do almost anything professionally or personally. Um, having a, a broad and rich network is is quite helpful. I think within the within an executive MBA program, I think that's certainly one of the benefits. Mm-hmm. I think um, while one is in the program, I think the opportunity should be primarily with the peers that are in that uh, or classmates that are in the program at the same time. I think um, taking advantage of learning from your peers. Um, is as important as learning from your faculty. Uh, the, your peers in an executive MBA program have considerable talent. There's considerable achievement there, both personally and professionally, um, in different fields, in different industries, in dramatically different uh, organizations and, and uh, even cultures, uh, as a number of students come from um, outside the the um, local geography. And so uh, opportunity to develop those relationships is the initial set and then broaden that as one interacts with a, with a set of uh, alumni or, or uh, even people beyond the, the uh, alumni of a program uh, for, for networking. And as a beautiful segue because that's where Charmaine steps in. So now they've, they've been in a classroom, per se, working with you, of course, in the executive MBA. Now they come to Charmaine's National Black MBA Association, and they're coming from all different programs. Mm-hmm. And some of them perhaps may not even have an MBA yet. Correct. So how important is networking then? Networking, I think, is critical. Um, for professional development, for career development, one of the things that we believe is a, a value for being a member of National Black MBA is your access to other members, mm-hmm. which are MBA students, graduate students, professional, civic leaders, um, politicians are all members of our organization, but also having ac- access to corporate partners. Mm. So you're interested in getting a job with XYZ company. Well, they're one of our corporate partners and their senior recruiting person is going to be on our panel. Or we just recently had the business of entertainment. You're interested in being in the entertainment business, in the entertainment business on the business side of it. And that's what we're trying to help our folks understand. You can be an accountant. You can be a finance person. These movies that are coming here, they need MBA MBA-level types of people. It's all kinds mm-hmm. of jobs. Well, we had six of the most prominent people in different areas of entertainment. Well, now you had access. You were right there in front of an executive producer of major movies wow. who was about to produce another movie. Okay. Someone else that was saying, <laughs> I'm building a movie studio. Um, so having access is critical. Taking advantage of that access is even more critical. Mm. I actually was networking with my panelists myself. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, listen, I want to have a, you know, a lunch in two weeks and talk about how can, you know, how can I get involved in this new movie studio that you're building? So it's taking that next step and following up. Um, I'm an alumni of Leadership Atlanta and Leadership Georgia, mm-hmm. two very reputable organizations where they will tell you, the 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 wealth the the value of those programs is the program but then after that it's the network it's being able to call on any individual in one of those organizations and say hey i'm trying to do this or i'm trying to meet this person or i'm trying to just have an interview etc and so the power of networking I just, I, I don't think you can really quantify it. And it's not immediate sometimes. Correct. Um, people will say, well, Charmaine, how did you get on that board or that board? 
Well, I was on a board four years ago with that person who's now on this board. Mm -hmm. They said, oh, we're looking for somebody that has these kinds of skills. I wasn't in the room. They said, you need to talk to Charmaine. So four years later, I maybe haven't even seen this person, but that's the value Mm. of networking and keeping in touch. Then when, like um, Don said, opportunities for jobs, opportunities for boards, opportunities for speaking engagements, opportunities for coaching engagements come up, your name is on the tip of someone's tongue. And that's mm-hmm. that's the real value. And um, you can see it work when you're doing it right. When you're doing it, I want to pick you up on that. When you're doing it right. So the value of networking, if I may uh, somehow capsulize this, uh, is being able to take your personal brand and have it spread amongst <laughs> others even when you're not there. So then we step to personal brand. So just because you're in an executive MBA program or have graduated from one and you're in amongst other people, that doesn't give you carte blanche to uh, kind of go to the network and say, look, give me this and give me that. It is playing leadership roles and actually contributing that really gets your stock to really rise in terms of your personal brand, correct? Yes. Would you say more about that? Simply because you uh, you have a very um, a different brand. Your brand uh, uh, cuts across all three, the corporate, entrepreneurial, not-for-profit. And I don't know uh, how a person really makes the, the best use of their time without being able to really be focused on what it is they, they see as their core. So you actually have something going on there that's really working for you in terms of your brand. Well, I think the first thing is that the individual has to decide what is their brand. Okay. Many people just let it happen. And you can't just let it happen. What is your brand? What do you want to be known for? So for me, I think when I got the position um, with the George Pacific Foundation, it really brought all of my passions together, entrepreneur, philanthropy, and it also provided, I always say, a platform for me to do the things that I love in a corporate environment. And then from that, I was able to springboard into, like, president of National Black MBA or different leadership roles. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I decided a long time ago, I mean, I love serving. And so for me, it's all about serving. And the things that I'm most passionate is professional development, entrepreneurship, and the arts. And so I have now been able to blend my passions with my work and with my own consulting firm. And and that's just the best of all worlds. But it's taken years. Again, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, I started out as a volunteer 25 years ago in Atlanta. And my brand, my Charmaine will get it done, integrity, marketing, professional, those things, you know, being able to go bring a group together, have a vision, execute, get results. I mean, that's, that's really what I'm about. I think you, you, you snapped it up very quickly. Right. And if that's what somebody wants, go get Charmaine. Okay. And so I think having that and just being very, very consistent, consistent with that in every arena is what has created the brand that I think I have now, which I'm very proud of. And, um, I think you have to decide first what it is. Yeah, well, uh, we're very proud of your brand as well because you carry uh, us along with you, certainly in your heart, and we can see it work through. So, Don, your thoughts around personal brand? Well, I I think back just to follow on what Charmaine said, I think it's uh, for networking, it's contribute first, network second. Mm. I think the opportunity really is for an individual to 
contribute to mm-hmm. organizations, uh, to their their company, Maybe, obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, their alumni association. And I think once uh, they are doing that without, mm-hmm. um, you know, selfishly, yeah. uh, selflessly, I, I uh, meant to say, they um, then have an opportunity, almost permission, um, to speak to others from a networking standpoint. Here's how, here's some help I could use or whatever. And quite frequently, when they are giving of themselves, um, other people are often coming to them and offering things. Absolutely. So I, I think yep. getting it in the right order is so important. So many folks, unfortunately, get it the reverse. You know, after I get the uh, the opportunity or the favor or whatever, then I'll be happy to contribute and and it really works best when it's uh, contribute first, network later. Right. I mean, I have a lot of individuals that will come and say, well, I want to be on the board. Well, okay, well, have you been on the committee? Are you a member? Have you donated? <laughs> have you volunteered? <laughs> you know, you got to start before you just jump on the mm-hmm. board. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're absolutely right. And so when I say it started a long time ago, people say, well, how did you get in community affairs? 25 years ago when I started volunteering. Now, everybody doesn't have the same path. There are those that were in a corporation and they lucked up and the job opened and they ended up there. But if that's not your if that's not your experience right now, then you have to figure out how do you get there, you know. And so it's kind of doing the work and it's contributing and letting what you do speak for you. And I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. So finding a way to have other people wear your T-shirt, you don't worry you about go. that. All there you go. have to do is do what you need to do first, right? And yep. I love the fact, uh, Don, that you mentioned about the sequencing. Sequencing is uh, vitally important when yep. it comes to brand. So, uh, so you know what? I wish we could be here all day. Um, and y'all looking at me saying, hey, wait a minute. No, that's not what I signed <laughs> up for. And we certainly would respect that. <laughs> so now my final question for each of you. Uh, your answer to this question would be posted on our blog and our website. So, um Charmaine, I'll start with you ladies first. Okay. I'll start with ladies first. Wow. Which business book has most impacted your leadership ability? That is a very difficult question, which we were talking a little bit about before we started the interviews because there are so many great business books for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm going to go with, and I won't say it's impacted my whole life or my whole career. That's pretty strong. But I will say it's one of the ones I've read lately, and it's called Good Is Not Enough by a very dear friend of mine, Keith White, um, who is president of... Um, Super Value Foods, and I think he just got promoted maybe to Acme Foods, but okay. um, just an amazing leader. And the book just resonated with me, and it's, it's specifically for, I, I won't say for minorities, but it has a lot of information for um, minorities, whether you're a woman or African-American, Hispanic, but why good is not enough in the corporate world and really not enough in, in any, any world, world right? Yeah. It's just not enough. You've got to go that extra step. You've got to do that extra thing. And you have to do it, I'm going to use your word, selflessly. You've got to do it because it's the right thing to do, not because if I think I stay another hour, someone will notice. No, I'm going to stay another hour because then I'll be able to look this document over one more time and maybe make it you know, go from just being great to being amazing. 
And so I just, one, the title resonated with me, Mm -hmm. Good Is Not Enough, which I'm always about excellence and, again, execution and doing it flawlessly. Um, And then he is, you know, just a really amazing leader in and of himself, the author, Keith White. And I read the book, and I just thought it's kind of something for everyone. So how do you spell his last name? W-Y-C-H-E. W-Y-C-H-E. And is he local or no? No, he's actually... Well, now I just saw a promotion, so I think he's in Philadelphia now, okay. but he Very was good. in Minnesota. But Keith Weich, and it's a book you can buy on Amazon, and but good. good is not enough. And again, it's just, you know, one of the current ones that I read. I mean, I could also, you know, everybody can talk about Seven Habits by Stephen Covey or Good to Great or Never Eat Alone. Or, it's so many. Mm-hmm. I think also the leader depends on where you are. Yeah, in, in, in your where leadership you are path, right. in your yeah. journey, yeah. right? Yeah. Where you are in your walk or your journey. And for me, right now, that just really it just really hit home. Great, thank you, Don. Well, you were able to get Charmaine to name one book. See, I'm, I just <laughs> I just can't do that. But Don, I, I threw Don, some uh, other ones in I there. I know she threw yeah. some <laughs> other ones in I, there. I walked out with four, even though I only bought one. <laughs> I, I would agree with her. There are so many great uh, business books, and so much depends on where you are at a leader at any given point in time. And what you're looking for at a given point in time will resonate uh, differently with you. I think one of the um, authors, if you will, that I appreciate over time is uh, Peter Drucker and, okay. and what he's mm-hmm. been able to uh, articulate in a series of books uh, that um, – are really timeless, and, I, and, and that's one of the things that I, I think uh, uh, is so critical in terms of defining leadership. If, if we think about leaders, I mean, they've been leaders for centuries. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, I, I, I like to, to look at things that have stand the test of time in terms of, you know, the, the, these principles or these theories or these practices. And uh, if you go back and, and read books that he wrote many years ago, they're still as relevant today as they were when he first uh, sat down to write them. And so uh, that that would be an author that I, I uh, uh, value and admire. Okay, great. Now, you s- you've certainly sidestepped the book, and you've taken me straight to the author. So are we going to close with that one, Don? Yeah, we'll close it. Okay. <laughs> well, show me and Don, on behalf of our learning community, it's been certainly an honor and a pleasure to have both of you join us today, uh, share your thoughts, your expertise, and your passion with us. Uh, I'd love to have you back on the show sometime in the future. Is that a deal? Absolutely. That's a deal. Well, fantastic. So with that in mind, could each of you tell us how our learning community can contact you by email or by phone? Um, Charmaine Ward, you can contact me by email, Charmaine Ward, the number one, at gmail.com. Charmaine Ward, the number one, at gmail.com. That's the best way. C-H-A-R-M-A-I-N-E. W-A-R-D. Perfect. No periods, no spaces. No periods, no spaces. <laughs> And for me, Don Lang, all one word, no, uh, no punctuation or spaces, at Talent Effects, T-A-L-E-N-T-E-F-F-E-C-T-S dot com. Well, thank you. So with that response, we'll bring this edition of Global Leader Radio to a close. We invite you to check our web presence for previous interviews and links to valuable leadership resources. Also, please drop me an email at acm0996 at kennesaw.edu if you have recommendations for guests. I'd enjoy hearing your thoughts. So I invite you to join me next week at this same location for the next edition of Global Leader Radio, the show that discusses ideas that matter with people who care. Have a great week. 
Global Leader Radio is brought to you by the Executive MBA program at Kennesaw State University. Take charge of your personal development and professional career today by learning more at ksuemba.com. And join us next week as we discuss ideas that matter with people who care.